All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a very special episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast. We are very proud to present the very first official Long Ball Football end of season awards, a very special occasion. Of course, you're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How are you doing, Barney? What a uh, effort have you made for this special occasion today? Bow tie, perhaps? Well, I, I was thinking about putting the tux on. Have yeah. you ever, Albert, whenever you've been playing a bit of fever and you've got to like a cup final, have you ever put on a suit on for a, for a big game or anything like that? <laughs> I've not done that, but when Leighton Orient won the National League two years ago, I was going to wear a suit to the to the last game of the season, but I bottled it. Yeah, <laughs> I still regret that. I should have done it. To be fair, when we went to um, the executive box on Boxing Day to Leighton Orient, we did, we did dress up smart for that, didn't we? Put on a little shirt. <laughs> I fucking know, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, a few years ago, Christmas, what was it, 2017 or something, the executive box, Leighton Orient versus Dagenham and Redbridge. Oh, mate. <laughs> Suddenly, I really, I'm really missing football again. Make sure to take the selection box as well, of course. Well, <laughs> before we descend into complete chaos, obviously, this is a special episode. It's an award ceremony. We're going to be handing out such prestigious accolades as the player of the year, young player of the year, manager of the year, best signing of the year and worst signing of the year. And in the second part of the show, we will be deciding on our best 11 of the year so far. Me and Barney haven't told each other our choices for that. We're going to reveal them live and then have a little debate and come up with a combined list. Before we get into that though, Barney, obviously it's now a week since the league has finished. We recorded our our previous episode on the morning after all the games finished. It was very raw. Everything was very fresh. A week on, have you had time to reflect? Anything else you've been thinking about since the since the league finished? It's been really enjoyable, hasn't it? I mean, before September last year, I would make the effort to watch a couple of Premier League games on the off, you know, on afternoon, maybe one or two max a weekend, try and catch some Champions League football. But having made the commitment to this to this podcast, you know, watching the, the Portuguese league, it's been so good. I've I've really enjoyed discovering like just a, a completely different way of clubs being run a completely different league of you know lots of different skill sets as well I think that's been one of my favorite things there's so many gems of players and then plus you know the drama of this season seeing sporting do what they did the drama around Benfica as well it's just Mm. been so so enjoyable and plus the discovery of like past the fresh sounds like Albert I would you know I might have known of them because of FIFA that's the only way Mm. I probably would have known them but now you know there's players in those teams I I absolutely love and it's it's been brilliant yeah, it definitely does feel like a bit of a privilege this season to, as outsiders, to have been able to witness such a historic season for for sporting. To, you know, to be part of such a dramatic season in so many ways. I know we said it last week as well, but uh, for us as well as 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 a podcast, it's been a fantastic year. You know, just taking a moment to reflect. This is now our thirty fourth episode. I mean, I think when me and Barney started this. We never imagined that we would ever do do 34 episodes, you know, 34 weeks. I think we had two weeks off in that time. and But other than that, it's just been relentless watching football every weekend, recording, editing. You know, we have a Twitter account for the first time. So learning about, you know, <laughs> everything that goes on in Twitter has yeah. just been fantastic. And, and um, again, we said it last week. We'll have to say again, a massive thank you to to everyone who's listened and interacted with us. It's uh, it's a, it's all it's all greatly appreciated. We're so excited for for the summer. Start looking at some transfers, some new kits, some new managers, and getting into the next season, man. We're we're here for the long haul from now on. I think we're really committed and we're ready to hit next season hard. I think. Yeah, it's been so fun. I think as well, but like we're obviously a bit different, aren't we? We're neither of us have a career in in 
within the game as it were we're not like journalists we're not you know scouts or whatever we, you know we're just we're just fans and I hope people so take my opinions with a pinch of salt. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for people to try and correct me or stuff like that because, you know, I, I'm not saying I know what I'm talking about, if you know what I mean. I'm, I'm just like, I, I just love talking about football, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is actually an important thing to say, especially as we're about to do a episode where we're uh, giving our opinion on, you know, the best player of the season, best manager, stuff like that. Look, we're not journalists. We're not scouts. We're just fans. We love watching football. We love the emotion we love the drama you know and so when we pick these these winners that you're about to hear obviously we're taking statistics into account goals appearances clean sheets things like that but also it's important to remember that this is just also a big part of it is instinctive when you watch a player and you just get a feel for how good they are the impact they're having on their side you know stuff like that so yeah exactly what you're saying about that. this is probably a bit of a, a niche reference that none of our listeners will um know but there was a late Orient player played left back was he called was it Forbes Terrell Forbes Terrell Forbes I absolutely love that guy like he was one of my favorite players to watch but he was shit he he never went on to anything (laughs) he wasn't like but like for some reason I don't know I just he was my guy that I just picked out and I just so that's the exact those are very niche other than no one's gonna get but like you know when you just get that feeling that that connection with a player that you can't really explain no yeah well look Bon, if you're worried about alienating our, our listeners with later references i think that ship sailed a long a long time ago <laughs> so let's not waste any more time rambling on let's get straight into these awards we're not going to do this like the oscars we're not going to make you wait we're going to go straight in with the biggest award of the season the long ball football player of the year for the 2020-21 league and us now we've got five candidates there's a bit of criteria here, just a little bit. We wanted to pick someone who's played consistently over a whole season. So no half-season wonders, no January signings. That rules out, you know, one or two people. But the shortlist that we've come up with in alphabetical order is Sebastian Coates for Sporting, Ryan Gould for Forens, Sergio Oliveira for Porto, Pedro Gonçalves for Sporting, and Medi Taremi for Porto. Now, Barney, let's start at the top. Sebastian Coates, he's a lot of people's pick this year. He's kind of overtaken Pedro Gonzalez as the popular choice for player of the season. Played 33 games this season. Only missed one game through suspension. Uh, he's never been subbed off. He's played every minute of every single game that he was involved in. 19 clean sheets Sporting have had this season. They conceded only 20 goals. The best in the league. Those stats speak for themselves. But also, when you just watch the guy play, the way he commands that defence is just a joy to watch. The thing that sticks out for me, and considering you know Sporting won the league by five points... Well, those games where he got those last-minute goals, you know, because yeah. it was I think there was two against Gil Vicente. You got a Santa winner against Santa Clara and against and against B side towards the end of the season when they got that, you know, you got got them back in the game, and that's such a crucial point. And he sparked the comeback, didn't he? Absolutely, and that was when they were having their dip, and the the narrative was building, and everyone was mm. saying they're gonna they're gonna let it go. And like you said, that Sporting success has mainly been down to their solid defense. I think. It's interesting with Crisis because if you look at statistics, he's not in the top 10 for tackles. He's not in the top 10 for interceptions or clearances or blocks. But what you hear a lot of pundits say that about players like Van Dijk is that these players, they read the game so well, they never put themselves in a the position where they have to do those things. And I really think that's the same for Crisis. I mean, the one statistics um, that he is high up on is offsides one, which I think tells the story of him and that sporting back line. If, you know, he organises those players so well. And I know Fidel and um, Neto are uh, experienced, but Amarin likes to play with such a high line that they needed to be on it. And because neither of those three have the pace to recover if someone gets in behind. And I think his organisation, I mean, 
when Anastio came to the team as well, he excelled and slotted in seamlessly, which I think has a lot to do with Quattas and the, the influence he had. He was just a, an immense leader. Absolutely immense. I think you've summed it up perfectly. I, I don't think I have anything to add. Fantastic season from that guy. And I think the one last thing to remember is that he hasn't always been that that figure for sporting. You know, he hasn't always been mm. that uh, epitome of consistency and, and leadership that he was this season. So it's been a great season for him personally. And just to add to that, sorry, Albert, is, you know, Apart from Jao Mario in that squad, there's no winners, are there, in that team? No one knows what it's like to win a competition, win a big tournament or a league. And there's never any doubt, was there, all season, that that squad had the belief. And, of course, some of it came from Aaron, but the Coates, the the captain, he would have distilled that mentality across that whole team. And, yeah, I I think he's a great candidate. And I'm not surprised many people have picked him for their player of the season. Absolutely spot on. Well, second on the list, Ryan Gould. Slightly different option here, Barney. Not someone from the top end of the table. Obviously, it's very difficult for, to play for a team that's just been relegated and still be part of a conversation about player of the season. But the fact that he is, and not just for us, by the way, for a lot of people, he's in this conversation. This shows what an incredible season he's had. Nine goals, seven assists. But the stats don't tell the full story, do they? I mean, the one statistic that does for me is the fact, like you mentioned, his goals and assists. That's 51% of the friends' goals this season. Mm. Compare that to Pote and Taremi, they're both 41% of Sporting's and Porto's goals. And I think for a midfielder, for a, within a team that, that is so so weak compared to the rest of this league. I mean, mm. Albert, I, I know it's not the perfect thing to go off, but if you, were to, if you look at transfer market, the friends' team market value is 18.5 million. Ryan Gold is 4.5 of that, and Thomas Tavares is 4.95. The next highest player is worth apparently 600k. Mm. You, you compare that to like teams like Maritimo, you know, they have six players or more worth well over 700k. Ryan Gold was the one and only player in that team with any ounce of quality. And I do think, like you said, they did get relegated. But for me, if he, because it, it was just a couple of games, wasn't it? If he had actually kept them up, there's no doubt in my mind personally that he, he would have been player of the season. Absolutely. If, he, if he'd managed to keep them up pretty much single-handedly, it would have been very difficult not to give him the award. Set for a big move in the summer, allegedly linked with up to 30 clubs worldwide. The guy is going to be in high demand. And we said it last week, I'm just hoping he stays in Portugal. That's just a little hint, Ryan. If you're listening, our third candidate, Barney, Sergio Oliveira from Porto. A player that I think is quite easy to overlook this season, especially because he's fallen out of flavour slightly tailed off in form a little bit towards the end of the season. But what an impact he had this season for Porto, especially in the first half of the season, not just in the league, but also in the Champions League. Obviously, we're basing this award on the league, but it's important not to forget the impact he had in that Champions League run as well. Scored a lot of goals, albeit a lot of them from penalties, but you still got to step up and take them. 13 goals in the league, six assists, all from central midfield. uh, And he's been a real leader for them as well. Yeah, and you mentioned like he is... He hasn't featured that much towards the end of the season as runner, has, has he? But he's played 3,666 minutes for Porto this season. Mm. And if you compare that to someone like, say, Poto, who's on this shortlist, Poto's played 2,735. So that's almost a difference of 10 games. Um, you know, like you said, he stepped up to the penalty. He's losing Alex Tellez, who wasn't set pieces and contributed so many goals to that Porto team. Mm-hmm. You know, for him to step up, take responsibility and deliver was brilliant. I think in that 4-4-2 that Conchastel likes to play as well, he just... Tick. He always plays like a quarterback, doesn't he? I feel like he starts the plays. You, you can see what, what what moves are going to happen, and he, uh, yeah, I think he's been brilliant. I think 
the fact that it's, t- it's taken him so long to get into this Porto team and become this real important figure to them. I think, yeah, he's really stepped up and really, really impressed me. I wasn't expecting the performances he put in this season. I think in a season where Porto haven't had the star names that they might usually have, a player like him who who's not a glamorous player, you know, he wasn't a big money signing to step up and, and have the season that he had has been uh, has been invaluable. You mentioned Pedro Gonzalez there. He's our fourth candidate. The guy has had a fantastic season. 23 goals and four assists in 32 games. A hat-trick on the last day of the season to win the Golden Boot Award. Now, there's a reasonable argument to say that Sporting wouldn't have won the league this year if it wasn't for his goals. I mean, that's obviously a difficult conversation to have, but I think there's an argument there. He signed for Family Cow in the summer for 7 million euros where, you know, he was a standout player for them in a breakthrough season last year, but I think he surpassed really what anyone would have expected from him this year, including the guys who signed him. Yeah, and I think you mentioned his goals. I think one of the key points of the season in hindsight now was that when he just really kicked on, he got nine goals in five games between October and November and that was the moment when Benfica and Porto were dropping points. That's what started this gap that Sport built from those two teams. And so arguably, yeah, you're right. I think from that moment, Sporting's title would just became a real possibility and it just built and built from there. The only thing I would say, Albert, is if perhaps it's fair to compare it to Quartas because obviously they're in the same team. And maybe I'm being harsh because there were a few games where his goals were what won them the games, but I'm not sure he's influenced games as much as Quartas. And perhaps you can say, look at the, he's only had four assists and, you know, he could have contributed more in that sense. I don't know if you think that's fair. It's interesting because I think I was less convinced that Pedro Gonzalez was the best player of the year until the very last game when he got those three goals on the last day and suddenly he was right back in the picture and I found it very hard to separate him from a couple of the leading candidates. You talk about assists, I think think you could flip that around and say actually he's stepped up and taken the goals because Sporting struggle for goals this year, they've not had a striker who's scored more than what, uh, five, six goals, I haven't got the numbers at the top of my head, but he stepped up and, and and been the main goal scorer for them this season. So I think rather than he should have been contributing assists, I think you could say he's he's contributed more uh, than he should have. Let's do the last candidate, Barney Mediterrami from Porto. Uh, the Iranian striker signed for five million euros in the summer from Rio Ave. Not as many goals as Pedro Gonzalez or even someone like Seferovic. He finished third in the league and lost top goal scorer table with 16 goals, a very respectable return. But it's also important to remember the role he played in this team, used almost exclusively as part of a front two this year. He contributed with 11 assists, the highest in the division. And I think this summer he's more than proved his worth after his arrival from Rio Ave in the summer. Yeah, and, and with those assists, I think he's got the most goal contributions in the league, which I think is a really important statistic. Mm. Uh, the other thing as well, Albert, because I know you said we're focusing on the league and not not so much the European exploits of these players. But what's really interesting is Porto barely dropped a point in the games following a Champions League game, which is was absolutely incredible. And in those games following a Champions League game, Taremi contributed four goals and four assists. So he was instrumental in them securing the, those points, which most years teams struggling, and particularly the COVID year where the calendar is so tight. I think he had that drought, didn't he? Which I think became quite a big deal, partly because no one else was consistent in scoring for Porto, be it Marega or Corona. But regardless of that drought, I think he's been brilliant. I love his story. And despite being nines off the golden boot, and I, I still think, you know, in that Porto team, he's been absolutely worth his weight in gold this season. 
I think the thing you've seen from Mediterranean as well is that once Tony Martinez came into the team, I think he really settled down and actually looked at his best. I don't think he scored as many goals as Tony Martinez in the team, but I think he looked more comfortable uh, and he obviously got a lot of assists during that time. So once that pressure was taken off him from kind of carrying Morega's goal burden, really, uh, I think we started to see the best of him. Look, Barley, that's five fantastic candidates there that we've stated a claim to. Obviously, there can only be one winner. I found this incredibly difficult. I'm going to be honest. For me, it was so tight between Coates and Pedro Gonçalves. I think Pedro Gonçalves, with that hat-trick on the last day of the season, really kind of stated his claim again. I was close to giving it to him, but I've gone with the popular choice. And for me, it has to be Sebastian Coates as player of the season. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. I, I, I can't think of anyone else who's been so obviously important to a team. And, and yeah, his contribution has been unreal. I think he's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, a worthy winner for sure. Well, there you have it. The first official winner of a Long Ball Football Award Player of the Year 2020-21 goes to Sebastian Coates. Right, let's do the next one, Barney. Let's keep it going. Young Player of the Year. Now, the criteria for this is very easy, less strict than the first one. We're not talking about a whole season. It can be an instinctive choice. All they have to do is be under the age of 21. And we've got another five excellent candidates. Again, we're going to list them in alphabetical order and then run through what they've done this season. Candidate number one, Andre Almeida from Vitória de Guimarães. Candidate number two, Angel Gomez from Boa Vista. Candidate number three, Gonzalo Inacio from Sporting. Candidate number four, Nuno Mendes, also from Sporting. And candidate number five, Pedro Porro from Sporting again. Barney, let's start with Andre Almeida, the first on our list. I love this guy. I know he might not be everybody's popular choice, but Vitória had a pretty woeful season this year. But this guy has been a shining light, you know, a diamond in the rough. He's been fantastic. I love the fact that he's born in the city. He came through the youth academy. and uh, He plays as an attacking midfielder. He's a silky, classy footballer. Great passing ability. Proved the other week that he knows where the goal is with that absolute rocket 30-yard finish uh, against Morrowinds. 30 games this season. Played two-thirds of Vittorio's total minutes. It's been a fantastic breakthrough season from the young man, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I like that point you made about the fact that he's coming through Victoria's Academy because more often than not, you know, when you see a, a really good youngster in this league, he's come from Sporting or Benfica or Porto's Academy. But and I don't know if that's a soft point because, you know, I, I, I just assume that those academies will be much better run, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I think in, in that Victoria team, which, you know, even though they have been poor, when they have players like Kresma, Marcus Edwards, Andre, Andre, or even even Pepe, who was you know who was brilliant last season for Tondea, he's the one who's consistently shone, hasn't he? And you mentioned the, the goal. Of the, I think he's only got two this season. Perhaps that were, is where we could have seen a little more. But to be fair, he was only been started playing further forward towards the end of the season, um, hasn't he? He's been mainly that man in midfield. I mean, stats wise, he's there are only ten other players who have played in midfield who have had fewer unsuccessful touches than him so that shows his technical ability and he's in the top four for successful dribbles in in the central midfield position so you know I think he's an exciting player I think uh, Albert I think playing further forward might be a a nice little move for him and uh, it could be like a Pedro Gonçalves sort of style thing where you know he makes that step up and next season's doing good yeah, look, I absolutely back him to to perform playing in a more forward role. I think the stats is the interesting thing because his stats are not that impressive in terms of goals and assists this season. And that's something that, you know, he will he will need to to get his numbers up if he's going to be really considered for one of the best young players in 
in the league. He was overlooked for the Portugal under-21 squad uh, this time around, which I thought was a little bit harsh because I think he's got great ability. But, you know, when you talk about the stats thing, you look at someone like like Marcus Edwards, who, who last year had fantastic numbers in uh, goals and assists. This year, his numbers are down. Interestingly, his numbers on things like successful dribbles, passes into the box, things like that stay the same. But the goals and assists are down. I think that's also to do with Vittoria's just general poor season, you know, not having a, a solid striker for a lot of the season. So I think it's difficult for, for Andre Almeida to get the kind of numbers that we might expect from him. Listen, big things to come from this kid. I reckon next year is going to be a big year for him. And, and in my opinion, uh, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, candidate number two, Barney, Angel Gomez, uh, young English midfielder, a player close to our hearts. Uh, another one where perhaps the stats don't tell the full story, although six goals and six assists, in my opinion, a very, very respectable return for the season, especially as similarly to Ryan Gould, he was playing uh, for a team fighting relegation. 20-year-old kid, look, he came to this league to prove himself. It's his first season playing men's football. Uh, I think he's proved himself this year. Yeah, for sure. And I think if there's one thing to take away, it's that goal from the halfway line, isn't it? Like, you know, oh, he's given beautiful. us that. Beautiful. And I thought, I think he would have himself as well thought he would have been in a, a squad of, that would have performed better because there was moments similar to Gould where we felt like he was on a different wavelength or just, you know, that that step above. I think he partnered with, you know, Ellis was the other class player in that, that team and he seemed to partner with him well. Ultimately, I think... I'm not sure if we could have expected more from in terms of getting them over lines and games, you know, being that player to sort of grab the game by the scuff of the neck. I don't know if that's too much to put on his shoulders at, at this age. or the, you know. But for a player in his first full season of men's football, he, he didn't look out of place at all. Absolutely. That's the key thing. He, he didn't look out of place. And I think he will progress in terms of those things you're saying, like being a leader on the pitch. I can see that in him, even if obviously I didn't expect him to do that this season. Uh, I think that would that would be a step too far to ask him from that, but I think he's got that personality. You know, he's he's come through the Manchester United ranks with the likes of Wayne Rooney at that club, so you know, I'm sure he's he's picked up those kind of traits uh, from those type of players. Candidate number three, Bonnie Gonzalo Inacio, uh, the young centre back from Sporting, a real bright spark for Sporting this year. He did really well to get into that team and keep an experienced centre back Neto on the bench. Uh, just 19 years of age. He's another one who missed out, in my opinion, and criminally missed out on the Portugal under-21 squad this time around. The thing I love about this guy, Barney, is his range of passing. So many times he's been involved in a goal or an attacking build-up with his great passing out from the back. Obviously, it's easy to be overlooked with the likes of Coates and Fidel in your back line, but uh, he's been, considering his age as well, at 19, 20 appearances this season. I think he's had a fantastic breakthrough year. Yeah, and he's got a really big presence on the pitch as well. I think the reason he kept Neto out of the squad was, like you mentioned, his, his passing ability. And it, that really added something to that sporting team because you know, we know how they like to get the ball from back to front quite quickly. Another one of these youngsters who, despite just being 19, as you said, just came in, starts the game and just never looks out of place. I think there was perhaps that red card, wasn't there, which where um, against Braga, where you know Galano seemed to have have his number. And I think that was, if we're looking at it in that sense, that perhaps was his biggest test up until that point and it wasn't quite there on that particular day. I think it was a lack of experience though, wasn't it, Barney? That's what that moment was. And I think, you know, that will come with time. That will come with more appearances. But yeah, that that red card stood out as a moment where he showed that maybe he was still 19. So plenty of improving to do for Gonzalo and Nacio, but the talent 
the base of talent that's there is is, is fantastic. Yeah, and the, and I think another trait that we're going to talk about with these other sporting players is composure. That that's that's the thing I'm looking for. The composure in, he has, you know, for such a young kid in, in his first debut season. Yeah, brilliant. Well, of course, the last two candidates on the list are also sporting defenders. The two wingbacks, Nuno Mendes and Pedro Porro. Nuno Mendes, Barney, fantastic breakthrough season for the kid. 19 years old, 29 appearances, and he only really missed games due to injury. If he'd been fit for the whole season, I imagine he would have started every game. Selected for the Portugal senior squad this summer, the boy has been nothing short of a revelation. Only one goal and one assist. It might be good for him to get his numbers up, but considering the way that Sporting play uh, and the contribution you expect him to have in that system, I think the kid has been absolutely fantastic. He's the youngest on the shortlist, isn't he, at just 18? And I think that says the most, you know, because you, you you can't name a better left back in this league this season. Certainly, there's not a better 18 year old. And, you know, that's important because there's players like Grimaldo in this league. And to have Mendes, I'm taking Mendes over him every day of the week, you know. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think it was quite telling as well because of, of all the shots sporting face this season, 17% have come from his side of the pitch compared to 55% from the middle and 26% from uh, Pedro Porro's side. So, you know, um, I think only Pedro Poe has paid more minutes to him than players on this shortlist for young player. But like, you know, we can rattle off statistics about Mendes, can't we? But mm. you just need to watch the guy. Yeah. And, you know, he's so comfortable. He gets forward. And you hear so many times um, people criticise fullbacks for having a good attacking side, but not defensive side. He's got both. He's got, yeah. he's, he's so good in defence, so good going forward. Incredible debut season. He's been linked with some big money moves away already. Manchester City are rumoured to be interested. I'm just so excited for people to see him at the Euros. I hope he gets the minutes because, you know, you remember in the past, before the days of the internet, and that sounds a bit too much, before the the internet was so huge and before you could, you know, watch YouTube videos of every player before they'd been at a big tournament, these major tournaments used to be the type of place where a player like Nuno Mendes would break onto the scene and, and come to the attention of the bigger clubs and he just seems like that sort of player who uh, who, who would exactly fit that mould obviously I'm sure the big clubs have, have got their scouting dossiers on him already But uh, and perhaps that's a really good point for this shortlist Albert is because you could argue that of all these players he's the one that you could see seamlessly move and play for a big club I think the others perhaps need another year or two or whatever but he is ready to go he's he's, he's He's got it. Pedro Porro and Barney, the last one, another revelation of this season, uh, mainly because he came without a lot of fanfare, almost out of nowhere from Spain, but he slotted into that right wing back position seamlessly. His attacking output at times has been frightening. Some of the defenders he's come up against, because, you know, we talk about him as a defender, but, you know, his attacking is what has been so impressive. Not the highest goal contribution, three goals, two assists, but when you watch the guy play, the talent there is undeniable. Like you said, he's just he's slotted into this league seamlessly. Like hit the ground running from the off. Stats wise, he's second for key passes in a game for players who played thirty more than thirty games this season. I think, you know, that right hand side, he he's the width, isn't he? Because Pote would occupy space in the middle, and so his his delivery spot on. And I think perhaps that's what if you were to compare it to Mendes, you'd say his attacking abilities is slightly better. I'd say. But yeah, I mean, so, I mean, some goals, big goals this season. That free kick, I think, against Tondeo, that that was yeah. amazing. Yeah, and he's got that in his locker. And yeah, uh, another re- just so good to watch. So good to watch. Sporting have really got to try and tie him down. We hear the rumours that there's a nine million euro uh, option to buy. So I just hope they exercise that real soon because you know he's just been integral to that side. Right, 
It's time, Barney. Five more fantastic candidates. In my head, I've got it down to two, but I'm going to let you make the final decision on this one. Who should? Who do you think should be the long, young player of the year? I'd like to know your second one because I, I, there's only for me. There's one. Well, there is one for me as well, and I think we both know it's <laughs> Nuno Mendes. Yeah, absolutely, man. Who was your second? Who was close there? Uh, Gonzalo Inacio was close for me, actually. I think the oh, thing really? is, though, he's obviously not made the same appearances, but I just think the talent. The talent there is fantastic. Next year, I think, could be a big break for a year if he plays, you know, closer to 30, ga- 30 games for them in the league. Uh, I think we could be talking about him in the same way as Nuno Mendes. But there it is. Officially, the long ball football young player of the year for the 2020-21 season is Nuno Mendes. Well, let's go on to the next category, Barney. Manager of the year. Now, this one's kind of harder to quantify. We can't really look at stats so much. We can't look at performances on, on the pitch, unless you're talking about Ruben Emery's antics on the sidelines. But we've come up with what I think is five excellent candidates from all different levels of, of the league this year. Again, we're going to run through these in alphabetical order. The first candidate, Ruben Emery for Sporting. The second candidate, Pepper from Passos de Ferreira and currently at Vitoria Guimaraes. Uh, the third candidate, Daniel Ramos from Santa Clara. The fourth candidate, Paolo Sergio from Portsmouth, and lastly, Ivo Vieira from Family Cow. We're going to start at the top. We're going to start with Ruben Amarim. I don't even know what to say. A historic first title. Uh, they almost went the season unbeaten. Fantastic football all year. They were in the top three for most goals scored, least goals conceded. The thing I like about Ruben Amarim as well, Barney, is that he came with that big top price tag. He came with the pressure, uh, and he has absolutely lived up to it. So much has been said about him already. It's, it's very hard to find. I was going to try and find something negative to say, Albert, because, but before I do that, because I just wanted to add, there's a couple of positives that I, I wanted to bring that, you know, you mentioned the fact they only lost once in the league. And when we look at the man management, the players he brought through, you know, those youngsters who absolutely delivered, contributed significantly for, to their season. Um, that's something you always look out for in a manager, if someone who's able to do that. Um, the, the, also the mentality distilled like I, I talked about earlier with Quartas I think Amon was crucial in that like giving the players belief the only negative I could think of if I, if there was one was you know the games where they struggled and relied on late goals I think he didn't set out set their game plan out the right way in the beginning of those games but he reacted and, mm. and you know turned it around and I think that's one important a, f- a fantastic incredible debut season I mean, if you are being harsh and picking holes in this season, uh, for me as well, and this might just be personal opinion, I don't like a lot of the antics that we see on the, on the touchline. I would like to see him stamp that out from his game. Uh, I'm sure he will do. But in terms of on-the-pitch stuff, uh, coaching, the guy's had an incredible season. And uh, yeah, rightfully on this list. Second candidate, Barney, Pepper from Pastor to Ferreira. Another excellent choice. Obviously, He's now since moved to Vittorio Guimaraes, but we're assessing him on his performance for Pastor Ferreira. He was the mastermind behind their season. They qualified for the Europa Conference League in fifth place. They played some lovely football. And the thing that I think stands out for me about Pepper is that I think he improved so many of those players that signed, you know, players that signed as misfits. I'm talking about Bruno Costa, who came on loan from Portman Ends. You know, Lufa Singh, who, who came on loan from Braga. Uh, Steven Eustachio who, who came back to Portugal uh, out of the cold I think he's made some bold choices in, in signings uh, and he's improved the players that he's got and I think he's had a season that we really cannot underestimate how good he has been this season Yeah I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said he's improved the players and I think you know, it's touching a few more signings uh, Robosho he brought in on loan played well at left back Fonseca even came in at the beginning of the season the right back he's been immense mm-hmm. um, even the goalkeeper Jordi who he brought in you know all these important players and he, they absolutely 
played out of their skin for him. I mean, that, that's the thing. He, he got them, you know, to over-deliver, over-achieve. Negative, I think they dipped at the end of the season quite drastically. But before that moment, he was, you know, he was the manager. He was... He, just the story was incredible. It's still an incredible achievement, even though they they, you know, they could have got far more points and because there was a point where they were close to Braga, weren't they? And I mm. thought, bloody mm. hell, they're going to catch them. Mm. Perhaps you could argue that from a manager's point of view, he's had he's the most obvious flex on players, you know, his, his development, his coaching and yeah. Well, we, we wait to see with great interest how he does at Vittorio Guimaraes next season. Third candidate, Barney, Daniel Ramos from Santa Clara. I mean, when you look into Santa Clara's season, uh, it just becomes more and more impressive the more you the more you read into it. The second time ever that they've qualified for Europe, they finished sixth place to follow, qualify for the Europa Conference League. Their best ever league finish, the most league and nosh points they've ever had, the most victories in a single season, the most goals scored in a season, and the least goals conceded in a single season. You know, Santa Clara have gone under the radar a little bit for finishing sixth, which is not seen as the most glamorous spot in the league, but. You cannot deny the improvement that this guy has made to Santa Clara and the effect he's had to give them arguably the best season of Santa Clara's history. The thing that stands out for me is that uh, this seems to all come quite quickly around the same time, but there was games against Sporting Porto and Benfica where they put in such a good show. Like mm. they, they were really pushed out. I don't think they got many points from the actual fixtures, but the performance was, you know... He clearly worked out how to play against these teams and he got his team to execute the game plan really, really well. He also had to deal with losing his best striker in Tiago Santana and his best midfielder in Osama Rashid. And he brought signings in, he filled the holes and they they worked. And I think that was another, perhaps like another underrated thing that he's done because Tiago Santana, the goals were like, you know, goals are like gold dust in this in this league if you have if you were one of the small teams and, you know, he lost his striker, he fi- fixed it. And they managed to see it through to the end of the season, yeah. And he had the best costume at the end of the season as well. He did. The cow costume gives him an extra little point. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Well, candidate number four, Barney, Paolo Sergio from Porto and Enns. Now, listen, Porto and Enns is an interesting one because obviously they weren't that high up the table, but we've mentioned it a couple of times. It's important to remember that this team shouldn't even have been in the league this year. They were supposed to have been relegated. They only stayed up due to other clubs' financial difficulties. A lot of people predicted them to go down. Not only did they surpass that expectation, but actually had a very good season, played some very good football. And there's some standout players in that team, a number of standout players. And I think the manager has to be given credit again, similar to Pepper, similar to Daniel Ramos. The manager has to be given credit for getting the best out of that group of players and turning players from, you know, pretty average, forgettable players to some standout players this season. The team from last season, it's not that different, is it? It's, mm. it's a, lot, a lot of the same players there. So they flirted with relegation a little bit, but like you said, they were never really in that much danger. There was that big draw against Benfica, which I remember quite well because I thought he managed that game perfectly in that one. And then he also had that little battle with Concha Sal, wasn't it, where there was a, you know, fighting down a touchdown there. And I just love that, you know, because he, you know, he's he's just given it as good as he gets. He, you know, wasn't afraid to dig in and have a bit of a fight against these bigger teams. You know, not not accept relegation and not accept defeat. Um, yeah, and as you said, the attacking players. He, he, we're not having seen that they stayed up by the skin of their teeth last season. I was expecting some really dreadful football, but the attacking play was just a joy to watch sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. And a real underrated manager, in my opinion, as well. Someone that I'm quite a big fan of. Well, look, last candidate, Barney, Evo Vieira from Family Cal. Now, 
I wasn't sure whether to include him because he's only been there for six months. But that impact that he had in six months has been incredible. He took a team from the bottom of the table to touching distance of Europe in just half a season, transformed the performances of, let's not forget, the same group of players that were previously underperforming. He made Famalicao a serious contender for next season. They're a team, in my opinion, that everyone should be on the lookout for next season because if they continue that form that they had at the end of this season and to have a full season like that next year, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, and I think the thing with Famalicao is that they obviously had such a really hard season until he came in. They Even in January, there was a huge overhaul of players. You know, Lots of players left, lots of players came in. They didn't know who they were, did they? They didn't know mm. how to play, what their star was, but he just came in, sorted it out incredibly well, played some really nice football in some games. You know, they were they were hammering teams, weren't they? Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, such a big effect. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, there's our five candidates. We're only going to give one winner, Barney. I'm going to announce the winner of this one. I think we both know that the top prize is, of course, going to Ruben Amarim as the manager of Sporting, guiding them to their first title in 19 years and playing some fantastic football along the way. I will just say this though, Barney, for me, Daniel Ramos at Santa Clara is very, very unlucky that Ruben Amarim had such an amazing season with Porto because in most seasons in this league, I would be giving this award to Daniel Ramos. Make no mistake, Ruben Amarim had a 10 out of 10 season, but Daniel Ramos for me had a nine and a half out of 10 season. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah, very close. Well, there you have it. It gives us great pleasure to award the Manager of the Year for the 2020-21 season to Ruben Amorim. And we're on to the last two categories, Barney. Best signing and worst signing. Again, the criteria for best signing, we want, quite simply, a signing that had the most impact on a, on a team achieving something. Uh, and the list that I've got for you is Albert Ellis, Steven Eustachio, Pedro Gonçalves, Oporte, Hidamas Morita, and Mediterrami. Now, where to start with this is Barnaby talked about Pote already. We've talked about Mediterrami already. Steven Eustachio is an interesting one. We talked about Passos to Ferreira a little bit. He's been integral to their season. It's an unglamorous position playing as a central midfielder sometimes, but he's managed to catch the headlines. Yeah, and I think, you know, Peppers sorted out that defence massively and they've conceded like far less goals than they did last season. Eustachio is top 10 for tackles per game, you know, and that includes defenders in that list. So, he is integral. He allows Bruno Costa the license to roam and create and he covers the wingers means they have less responsibility on them to defend. He's, like you said, a really unglamorous role. He puts in a shift, ticks them over. He's basically played every minute of every game this season. I think he's had a yellow card and a red card suspension. If I was to have my business hat on Albert, I think they signed, well, they signed him for 2.25 million. Mm-hmm. They obviously need to get him in pony, but do you think they're actually going to make much money off him? It doesn't seem like they will because it seems like the asking price is only, you know, three and a half to four and a half million so they and they may may only wait make a million euros off it which would be a shame but then also let's not forget that he's helped get them into Europe so it's sure. not just a business transaction you know they've 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 reaped the benefits of having him in in the squad yeah no, that's true that's true I love that position I, I, he's been a joy to watch in that well similarly Barney Hidamasa Morita plays in a very similar position to Steven Eustachio he came in in January for Santa Clara and in my opinion, he's been a revelation. You hear a lot of people who are very knowledgeable about this league talk about him and talk about how uh, he could play for any of the any of the big clubs in this in this division. I'm inclined to agree. I think the way he plays, he could play any of the central midfield positions. You know, the number six, the number eight. I could even play him at a number ten, in my opinion. 
His range of passes is fantastic. His work rate is fantastic. The way he contributes to the team's attack, to, turns defence into attack, is just brilliant. A great piece of scouting to sign from the Japanese league in January. And he looks like he's on a meteoric rise upwards. Do you remember his um, debut winner against Rio Ave as well? I, was just I like remember not being able to see it because it was uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about thick with fog that day. But what we, what he did see was himself, you know, was it 90 minutes? And he got himself up the pitch. He'd been running all game and he just, you know, bombed on. I think, yeah. Um, we mentioned Daniel Ramos losing a few players. He lost to Sama Rashid, who was the captain in, in midfield at that point. And Marita was brought in to replace him. Like I said, he just kept Santa Clara's momentum going, slotted in seamlessly, contributed, just... The dynamism in that midfield was it was so important, and yeah, just another player that's been so nice to see him see him play the game. Absolutely, he had a fantastic impact this year. And we talk about in terms of the criteria wanting to achieve something. Passos and Santa Clara are both teams that have achieved European football, which is something that's very lucrative for those clubs. And I think those two players, Eustachio and Marita, have been uh, integral to those achievements. In terms of Alba Felisboni, and the reason he's on this list is because for me, and I know we've we've spoken about maybe we have a differing opinion about who the best player in that Boa Vista team is. But for me, Alba Felis is the best player in that Boa Vista team. And they escaped relegation. And I know that wasn't what they set out to do at the beginning of the season. But the reality is that was the battle that they found themselves in. And I think for me, having somebody of Alba Felis's quality. Uh, was one of the main reasons that they were able to drag themselves out from that difficult situation that they found themselves in. Yeah, and there was he had some important goals in those games at the end of the season. I think he got two in the three free draws Santa Clara, one in the draw to Day, and and perhaps most importantly that assist on the final day, which 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 at that point turned the game around for Boa Vista. Mm. I like him a lot, and once again, to looking at it from a business point of view, I mean, they signed him for one million, and they're certainly going to make profit on him because. You know, he's he's shown his quality. There's no doubt about that. I could see them making 10 times that on a yeah. sale from him easily. There's two other candidates from the top of the table in this league, Pedro Gonçalves and Mediterranean that we've spoken about at length already. Obviously, obviously, I said already that perhaps Sporting wouldn't have won the league without Pedro Gonçalves' goals. Mediterranean has the most goal contributions in a season and was only signed, let's remember, for 5 million euros. Barney, this is a tough one. I'm going to let you choose who is the best signing of the league in our season. It's actually between those those last two you mentioned between Taremi and um, Pote. I think, as you mentioned, Pote. I think you know if he hadn't had those goals, and, and I think with that, no one was expecting that from him, were they? That he was brought for five million. He was mainly played as midfield before. Um, yeah, incredible to do that. But for me, and this might seem there's a bit of a surprise. Taremi is the best signing of the season, and the reason I've gone for him is because he didn't start the first seven games for Porto, and at that point, Porto were first uh, with different formations. Uh, Daniel Perez are there. They're still playing five midfield generally. Um, Tony Masters and Evan Nelson both even started games before Taremi got his first start. But he came in and when he started, he got five goals from his first six starts. And that coincided with Conchasal believing he'd moved to this 4 4 2 formation, which I think is ultimately what served Porto so well. It did so well in the Champions League. And I, 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 I'm going to take it to, into account in this sense because. That Champions League run has brought Porto so much money. Um, it's just elevated that bit more. And also that 4 4 2 is much well in this league. It's got them second place. So for me, Taremi was instrumental in that, allowing Conchicel to move to that formation, believing in going with two strikers, him and Mariga. And it's been, for me, the key to Porto's success this season. 
Well, there you have it. A decision that I'm sure some people might disagree with, but it's a decision that we're going with. There you have it. The long ball football best signing of the 2020-21 season is Mediterrami at Porto. Well, at last category, Barney, we're going to end with a bit of a fun one. The worst signing of the season. Now, the criteria for this one, essentially just a dodgy signing, maybe a signing <laughs> that came with a lot of pr- promise that didn't live up to it, or as you'll see with some of the candidates, maybe just... A signing that raised a few eyebrows. Now, the candidates are Gilberto for Benfica, <laughs> Ricardo Quaresma for Vittoria Guimaraes, Felipe Anderson for Porto, Faik Bolkaya for Maritimo, <laughs> <laughs> and Keisuke Honda for Porto Menens. Now, let's start with Faik Bolkaya, Barney, because I don't think people are going to quite know who he is. Faik Bolkaya, if you missed this story, I don't know how you missed it. Faik Bolkaya is the son, I believe, or grandson of the Sultan of Brunei. He is the richest footballer in the world. He has a net worth of something like $20 billion. (laughs) He was previously on the books at such clubs as Arsenal, Southampton and Leicester in the Premier League, despite never playing a game for any of their teams. He signed for Maritimo in the summer. I think he had aspirations of playing... uh, Perhaps he thought it was more just his playing. level. <laughs> just playing. Perhaps he thought it was more his level. Not only has he not made a single appearance for the senior team, he's not made a single appearance for the under-23s team or reserve team either. So that just gives you an idea of how this guy's senior has gone. I personally, but I would have loved to have seen him played. I would have given him a run out. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just so obvious what's happened there, man. I think Marito Pre. <laughs> receive money for signing him rather than paying money to sign him it's just it's so funny man I like yeah like I said I reckon Maruto have been paid to sign him and yeah. I'm with you I would love to see him kick a ball uh, just just to see the quality because this guy's an absolute let's not make those bones about it. this guy's an absolute dreamer he fancies a career in football he's Absolutely. got the money to <laughs> listen fight if you're listening if you fancy a game come down to Shoreditch Power League on a Sunday I'll be there I'll give you a run out well look <laughs> The other name on this list, Barney, that might catch a few names, obviously Keisuke Honda at Porto Menens. I couldn't not include this guy in the list of worst signings of the season. I think it's fair to say we were excited by this. I think anyone who's followed us on Twitter knows how excited we were by this signing. And then what happened, Barney? Why don't you tell the public what happened? Well, it just it just couldn't... They, they did the the photo, they had the shirt. I mean, I, I still would... I, I still haven't heard back from Bortsmen to see if they've got any shirts printed that they want to get rid of for the, the cheap. Uh, <laughs> even the away shirts were printed, weren't they? And then, yeah. Yeah, had the whole photo opportunity and then uh, with some technicality, wasn't it? It just didn't get... Because he played for a certain amount of clubs already this season, he wasn't allowed, is that it? He wasn't allowed to register because he'd already played for another club uh, earlier in the season. An absolute shambles. They did the presentation. They printed the shirts. And then two weeks later, we found out that he wasn't allowed to play without making a single appearance. Listen, I'm sure Keisuke is not worried at all. He's gone off to Azerbaijan and just won the league with uh, Nefchi, the team that he plays for in Azerbaijan. I'm sure he's laughing. Uh, there's still an outside chance, Bonnie, that he's going to come back in the summer. So who knows? Maybe this time maybe this time next season, we'll be talking about him as best signing of the year rather than worse. Well, look, there are three semi-serious names on this list. Uh, Gilberto, the right back from Benfica, Ricardo Quaresma and Felipe Anderson. At Porto, I think Felipe Anderson speaks for itself, really. The guy's just barely made any appearances. You know, there was a point when he was, I think, West Ham's record signing. There was such high hopes for him. To be fair to him, I'm not actually going to laugh. I'm not actually going to laugh at him, Barney, because I've seen 
evidence of him doing great work in the community for Porto, representing Porto at like charity events and things like that. So um, I'm not going to hammer him too much in terms of on the field. Obviously, we expected a lot more, but it wasn't to be. Ricardo Correggio, some people might find this a bit harsh. Um, he's obviously played some football. I don't think he's been what we all hoped he would be. I think he scored one or two goals, which maybe make it worth it. But ultimately, he's found himself out of the team recently. Uh, he was he came in with huge fanfare on the back of that fucking white horse, <laughs> which I think <laughs> boosted his uh, expectations slightly. Hasn't quite lived up to it. And of course, Gilberto, the right back at Benfica, who is probably the most serious option on this list because he came with a very decent price tag. It was very fair to expect that he was going to come in uh, and be Benfica's first choice right back, but he's not had a good season. He's not been good enough for them. They've played him at wing back and at full back in a back four, and he's just never, never looked good enough for me. You really don't like him, do you? <laughs> Look, mate, <laughs> better, mate. If you listen, it's not personal. I'm sure we, you know we met up and had a chat. We'd get on really well, but I think he's he's just had a poor season. Maybe it's just no, me. But has, I think he's he had a poor season. He has, and I think he he's been like the most clear. Poor signing from JD, wasn't because you know if he's JD's man, he would have seen him in the Brazilian league. He was like, I'm gonna bring him, he's gonna play for right back. Just yeah. hasn't delivered, like you said. Yeah. I mean, if I was gonna have a series and I was gonna, I wanted to sort of have Javi Garcia on that because I mm. like I have the same dislike to Javi Garcia that you have with Gilberto. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to reiterate it's not personal. Well, look, <laughs> I'm gonna pick this one, Barney. This is the last, the last choice. There's no one else I can go with other than. Keisuke on that as worst signing of the season. <laughs> Keisuke, please, if you're listening, mate, don't take this the wrong way. It's just a bit of fun. If you sign for Portman Ends in the summer, I promise you, here's the deal. I'll be getting the shirt delivered with your name and number on the back. That's the deal right Absolutely. here and now. Well, there you have it. Those are our winners for this year's Long Ball Football Awards. Just to run you through those once again, the Player of the Year, Sebastian Coates for Sporting, Young Player of the Year, Nuno Mendes, also for Sporting. Manager of the Year, Ruben Amarim, again from Sporting. Best signing goes to Mediterranean at Porto and worst signing goes to Keisuke Honda from Porto Minens. All right, well, the last thing we have left to do then, of course, is to officially crown the Long Ball Football Best eleven from this season. Now, again, there's a little bit of criteria. Simply the highest quality eleven that we could put out from a Liga Nosh side. So this isn't necessarily relative to a team's performance, for example. This is simply, if we were putting out a Liga Nosh eleven to face the world, what would be the highest quality of player that we could present? Now... Me and Barney deliberately haven't discussed this in advance. We haven't told each other who our choices are. So the way we're going to do it, we're going to go position by position. A traditional Portuguese 4-3-3. We're going to say who we picks. If it's the same, great. And if not, we're going to have a little chat and see if we can argue about who should be picked and come up with a final 11. Let's start from back to front, Barney. Let's go for goalkeepers. My choice. I've got a sneaky feeling it's going to be the same as yours. Adan from Sporting. Yeah, absolutely. I think... But you surpri- I was surprised by the signing at the beginning of the season because I thought Sporting had a, a very good keeper in Luis Maximiano um, already. So I was a bit unsure about bringing in you know, the, ex- the old guy from the Spanish League, but man, he's been so good. Yeah, what an impact this guy has had. I mean, some of the saves he's pulled off in vital moments have been 
incredible. I think he has been a valuable upgrade on Maximiano, although like you, I was a big fan of Maximiano and I hope that he will continue to to make performances for, for sporting in the future. I think goalkeeper, although it was easy for me to pick Adan, I've I've mentioned this before and I, and I want to put it on record. For me, the goalkeepers in this league are of such a high standard. We're so lucky to have a really high standard of keepers at all different parts of the league. I had two other candidates on my list, Barney, Dennis and Marchesin. Dennis, of course, from Gil Vicente Marchesin from Porto. I think they've both been excellent. I could have included Matias Passinato on that list. You know, I could have included Christian from Bayside on this list. There's a number of keepers I could have included, but ultimately it wasn't too difficult for me to go for Adam. If I was going to, I completely agree with those players you mentioned there. If I was going to add one other, it was actually be Helton from Benfica because yeah. he obviously didn't play m- most of the season, but when he came in, he was sort of part due to their upturn in form. But without apart from him, man, it's got to be Adman, hasn't it? Because he has just been so, so solid. Absolutely, absolutely. Easy one there. Adan goes in at goalkeeper. Now let's start at right back on the back four. I've only got one name on my list, Barney. We've talked about him already. That's Pedro Porro. Same for me, man. Same for me. Do you know what? Actually, we were going to talk about his position by position, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. My back four that I've gone with is the sporting back four of Porro, Coates, Fedal and Nuno Mendes. Oh, there we go. Well, I've, I've got Coates and Nuno Mendes. It was Fedal the one for me. I, I mean, Interesting. Because the, the two guys I put down are Porto and Benfica and Pepe and I don't know if you'd be surprised, but I also put down Otamendi. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I've I've liked Fidel. I think, you know, he's been good. I mean, Pepe has been solid, but he hasn't played all season, has he? He's suffered a bit with injuries. He's been out of the team. Otamendi as well. I've Despite, you know, being in that Benfica team, I've and we joked about him when he first came. Mm-hmm. I think he has contributed. I think he's made them as, as solid as he can. Um, and he's definitely been the best defender in that Benfica back line. Absolutely. And, and it's important to remember that when he came in, he was all over the place. We were hammering him. A lot of people were hammering him. And he's completely proved us all wrong and been a real solid player. I think he's had a good end to the season. Look, I'm happy to give up one centre-back then. I think we both agree on Coates. He's our player of the season. But I'll let you yeah. pick the second centre-back then. I'm actually going to go for Otamendia. But I think okay. I think it's easy. It's been far too easy for people to hammer Benfica this season and mm. I think that's even myself and I think I, that's clouded my uh, judgment in some cases I think he's been good I think he, it, he's proved to be a very smart signing from them um, to replace Ruben Diaz essentially and uh, yeah I think I think he's been good well there you go the back four locked in Pedro Porra at right back Coates and Otamendi at centre back and Nuno Mendes at left back let's move on to a position that I know we both like Barney I think we both fancy ourselves as a bit of this position when we're down the five side that's holding midfielder this for me is another position where I think we've seen a couple of standout candidates I'm going to tell you my choice first I narrowed it down to three Steven Eustachio at Pasta Ferreira Ali Ratti at Braga and Palinha from Sporting now my choice Barney was Palinha I know we've spoken at length about Ali Almazrati and how good he is. And I think he's a fantastic player. Eustachio as well, I think he's a fantastic player. Eustachio just dipped up for me because I think he's been slightly less consistent than the other two. Then it was down to Mazrati and Paulinia. And for me, if I had to pick one of those players for my team, I would pick Paulinia. I think perhaps Almazrati is slightly more of a classy player. Perhaps he glides around the pitch a bit more. Mate, I've got a soft spot for an enforcer though. And Paulinia, some of those tackles that he goes in with, he's just 
and and don't get me wrong, great passing as well, and, and he contributes to to the game in that sense as well. So for me, he just pipped it. It was tight for me between those two as well, Mizrasi and Palinia. I had gone for Palinia as well. Albert. I nice. think okay. I think you know in a a season where Sporting have done so well in the league, been so solid defensively, and we always give praise to the back line, but. Padilla, like you said, he tackles, tackles, man. He's he's mm. up there on the statistics for all the defensive duties, and yeah, it, it, incredible season for him. <laughs> oh, mate, he'd be in tears. He'd be in bits. Uh, honestly, I I would like to put on record what a quality player I think Mizrati is. His exclusion from from this team is 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 not because he's not good enough. Uh, we're talking about you know a very very marginal difference between Palina and him for me and. You know, Mizrati is one of the best players in this division for me at centre midfield. I even I'm not about squeezing him in a slightly more forward midfield role, but like you know, yeah, it wouldn't quite he's, work. He's brilliant. He's fantastic. Well, look, Palini goes in at defensive midfield. We've got two central midfield positions left. The more attacking, slightly more creative central midfield roles. Two options here, Barney. I had a I had a short list of six. I found this really quite difficult to pick. Albeit Andre Almeida on that list, he was never really in serious contention, but I wanted to have him on my shortlist. Bruno Costa as well from Passos, another good player who I think has unfortunately struggled with form a little bit as have Passos, so he didn't quite make it. Angel Gomez, again, been good, but not quite good enough. The three serious names I had were Marita, Sergio Oliveira and Ryan Gould. Now, those three players I had to narrow down to two positions. I was Amin and Arin. Marita, I love him but I just put in Sergio Oliveira above him. And of course, Ryan Gould was in there from the start. So my two choices, Barney, Ryan Gould and Sergio Oliveira. I'm I'm with you on that one. I didn't have quite as big a shortlist. Um, but yeah, I think Gould was a nailed on one. Uh, no, no one would be surprised at that. Sergio Oliveira as well, yeah. I, I talked about him earlier about how important I think he's been to Porto. And it's just been like so infectious to watch, isn't he? Because he's so passionate. He, he really is a Porto man. And it... The, the way he conducts himself, the pitch is just yeah, brilliant. And I think I think those are two of the strongest. Out, I think those are the right ones. I think that's a strong midfield, man. It's <laughs> a really strong midfield. I'm just thinking though, Barney, this is all too easy. We're agreeing too much. No, but that's a really fantastic midfield. I think that's a midfield that competes, you know, at any level of European competition. Let's move on to the attacking positions. Then three positions left: two wingers and a striker. I think this is where we might have. A couple of disagreements. Let's go with wingers first, Barney. We can both pick two wingers. I've got a short list of four. I'm not going to tell you who they are. I'm going to go straight into it. The two that I settled on. Of course, Pedro Gonçalves from Sporting. And the second one. Now, I found this the most difficult position to pick out of this whole 11. The second winger I've gone for is Carlos Jr. from Santa Clara. Mate, what's going on? It's exactly the same for me. <laughs> this section is going to be so boring. <laughs> I thought this was going to be full of debate and discussion. Well, never mind. That's fine. Go on then, you tell me why. Why did you go with them? Well, players, you know, we've talked about him already. Carlos Jr., it's so important to Santa Clara's success. Like, so important. I think a really exciting player that I wouldn't... To be blunt, I didn't expect to see someone of his quality at a team like Santa Clara. He, he's just been phenomenal. He's got such a good attitude, such a good... Um, really good aggression, a really good temperament. He's like, I mentioned, I've compared him to Luis Suarez before, and I, I, I stand by that in the fact that I think he knows how to get inside a defender's head and, and just cause so many problems, but someone he'd hate to play against. And I think when you look at his contributions and you can compare that to players in within the big three, and uh, you know... He's up there, and there's no, and that's the reason why he's being rumored with uh, Benfica at the moment. Absolutely, absolutely. I think 
these were the hardest positions for me to pick, Barney. Just the other two names that I was toying with, Ricardo Horta from Braga, who he's an interesting one for me, Barney, because I consider him a very high-quality player. He scored a good goal in the Tasta Portugal final, just gone by that showed his quality. He doesn't just doesn't quite seem to be linked with the big clubs or or linked with a move away. Maybe he will soon, but he's a player that I like. He didn't quite get, get in above Carlos Junior because for me that season that Carlos had was just phenomenal. And Nuno Santos was another name that I was toying with Barney from Sporting. Now I wanted to talk about him because it's interesting. He came out and quite bravely, in my opinion, said that he was disappointed not to be selected for the Euros. Now a few people were clowning him on Twitter. I don't think that's a statement to, to be laughed at. I mean, when you consider that players like Rafa are going to the Euros with Portugal, Nuno, Nuno Santos had a better season than Rafa in the league this year. He's not been the star player for Sporting, but he's been a really good contributor. I think he's easy to overlook and I, I, and I was keen to credit him in some way. He didn't quite make it into the, the 11 for me, but I did want to just mention him briefly because I am a fan of his. Yeah, same. I mean, the one player that I came close to picking was Lufus Singh. Yeah, for Pastor Ferreira. Yeah. I think he he's been incredible. I think uh, some really good goals. Just uh, the way they played that outlet to him, you know, getting the ball up to him and letting him just run and just get them up the pitch. I think he he's been so good. Also scored my goal of the season this year. Well, same for me. Same for me. He, he, man, you can't hit balls like that. Like. It's just oh, outrageous. It's once in a lifetime, those moments, man. Outrageous finish outside of the boot on the volley into the top left corner. If you don't know what we're referring to, by the way, I've, I've shared this out on our Twitter account a number of times. In my opinion, Lucas Singh scored the goal of the season for Passos de Ferreira. It's on our Twitter account if you want to go ahead over and look at that at Long Ball Football. One more position, Barney, the striker. Whew, I had a list of four names. Some were more sentimental than others. Beto was on the list. I love that guy. I would have loved to have given it to him, but I didn't. Mario Gonzalez, again, another revelation this series season for Tundela. I would have loved to have given it to him, but I didn't. And in the end, I went for Mediterranean. Yeah, so have I. I, I think we should... I, I was also going to include Harris Seferovic because, yep. uh, uh, you know, someone that... I think people like to have a laugh and joke about him. We even joked about him saying mm-hmm. he, he couldn't be top goals or But, you know, you can't deny his qualities. He's lived the season. But Taremi, you know, I, I explained him why I thought he was signing the season already. I think I, I love the fact, Albert, that, you know, he's tw- what, 27 and he's he's only been in Portugal for two years now. He was in the Iranian leagues. Like, he was in the Iranian leagues. That's like mad. And, you know, he's he scored that bicycle kick in the Champions League. Champions League. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Um, yeah, we, we agree once again. <laughs> we agree once again. Well, I apologise for building this, the drama of this section up a bit too much. That all turned out to be a lot easier than I expected. But I think we've come up with a really, really solid 11 from this league. Just to run you through it again. That's Adan in goal, Porro at right back, Coates and Otamendi at centre-back, Nuno Mendes at left-back, Palina at holding midfield, Ryan Gould and Sergio Oliveira at central midfield, Porte and Carlos Jr. on the wings and Medi Taremi up front. Now, we're nearly at the end of the show, Barney, but before we go, we wanted to both do a little bit of a challenge, the type of challenge that we love. We've seen it on Twitter a few times. It's a best 11 from players outside the big three. Of course it is. It's got long ball football written all over it. Now, do you want to go with your team first, Barney? Go on, you tell me who you pick. Bearing in mind, this is players all outside the top three. Well, I've gone for, uh, there's a couple that I came, you know, struggled again to nail it down to one person. I've gone Dennis and Gold from Gil Vicente, Claudio Wink from Maritimo right back Fabio Cardoso from Santa Clara Morassas from Paso de Freire 
Mansur from Santa Clara at left back. Then I've gone for Musrati, um, Istakio, and Angel Gomez in the midfield because we have, I picked Ryan Gordon in the main one. And of then, course. okay. And then I stuck in Lufa Singh, I stuck in Beto, and I stuck in Rashinia. Nice. Okay. Rashinia, I like. Go on. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you tell me yours, mate, and then I'll tell you the other ones that came close. Well, I've also gone for Dennis in goal, and I love Dennis. I, I would have loved to have given him goalkeeper of the season as well. I was very close to doing that. I think if you go through, if you go onto V Sports and watch the best saves of the season and just count how many times this guy comes up, he was phenomenal he, all season, pulling out some fantastic saves. And he's not a young keeper either, you know, so this guy's had a great year. Pisanato came close to me as well. But you've given him credit before in this show. I love, yeah, I love Pisanato and it, it does pain me not to recognise him at any point in this award show because he's a goalkeeper that I'm a massive fan of. I, like I said earlier, fantastic goalkeepers in this league. We're so lucky. There's only one or two teams that you could say don't have a quality goalkeeper. So yeah, that was a difficult one, but I love Dennis. So he was always going to be my choice. Uh, Fad Mufi, the right back from Porto Menens, who I think had a great season, again, in an underrated team. And I think he's an underrated player. Interestingly, I went for the other centre-back from Santa Clara. I went for Villanueva. I think you could go for either one of them. They've been very good defensively this year. Um, he's just the one that caught my eye more of the two. Maybe it's just the shiny bald head, a couple of headers that he scored, you know, easy to pick out. My other centre-back, Barney, Thomas Ribeiro from Bayside. Now, Bayside are a team, we mentioned it before, who we've overlooked. Maybe there's an element of bias there, but every time I've watched them play, I've, I've thought he looks like a good player. When I looked into him more, he's younger than I thought he was. He's only 21. Uh, he was linked quite heavily with Victoria Gimaraes. It's possible that he will make that move this summer and I think he will improve. I think he would go into that team and be their best centre-back. The left-back I've gone for, Barney, Ruben Vinagre from Family Cow. Again, another player who's only played in this league for half a season, but I think he's rightfully coveted by a lot of the best teams in the league. Sporting seems to be after him, Benfica and Porto all seem to be after him on loan from Wolves at the moment, but uh, I think he's a good left-back in a league where there's not too many good left-backs. Well, that's why I wanted to give some credit to Mansell, man, because he's a, he's a he's not young he's, and he's also got a, um, an ageing hairline. He's got he's almost bald, <laughs> but, which makes him look older, but he's like, you know, he's 26, 20, 27, 28, I think. But he came over from Brazil this season. And I, he completely took me by surprise, man. He, I feel like he's a really classy operator. I think he's good on the ball. And he's, I've seen him, I've gravitated to him. I love him. Well, I've gone for a different defensive mid, Barney. Again, maybe I should have gone for Ali Mazrati. I'm slightly regretting it. But I have given it to Ugarte from Family Cal. Now, might be a surprise to say that, but again, another player that only played half a season in this league and made a big impact already. I think he's got a fantastic potential, the way he plays football great defensively, great passing. He's the sort of player that will be so useful for, for so many teams if he can just hone those simple attributes that he's got. I wouldn't be surprised if in three, four, five years' time we're talking about him playing for an Atletico Madrid, a team like that. You know, That's the type of player that I think he will be. My other two midfielders, Marita and Gould, again, obvious reasons. I've spoken about them at length. Carlos Jr. on the wings, again, an obvious one. Ricardo Horta at left wing, I did give it to him because he didn't get into my mate team this season and I've gone for Beto up front I wanted to give Beto the shout I could have gone for Mario Gonzalez who if I'm being honest I think he's the probably the better footballer but I gave it to Beto just because of the season he's had the story he's had and we both love him he has to go into my team yeah I agree I mean I actually got um, I had two players from B-Sad in 
in the forward positions. Like Cassiera, the striker, I think yes. he, he's he's gone a little bit under the radar, I think. And a, a great story because he's actually from Ajax. And I, I couldn't believe, like he came for the Ajax Academy. I can't believe he was at, uh, at B-Sad. And Miguel Cardoso, the winger for B-Sad, I think, you know, a, a really exciting player. Um, I I, I on Rashini Albert because I felt like in a team with Marcus Edwards and Charisma, and even the signing of Ruben Ramirez, for him to be for me their best winger the, this season, I think is 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 a great achievement. And uh, you know, probably an unfashionable, unfashionable name in that sure, team, but sure. uh, a really good player. Well, there you go. Two very strong 11s there. Whatever happens, and I think those are two starting 11s that could compete at the top end of this league. Well, look. That's the end of this year's award show. We've made some tough decisions, some controversial decisions, but also a lot of decisions that I'm sure people agree with. So if you've got something to say about the choices you've made, we want to hear from you. Get in contact. You can find us on Twitter at LongballFootball. If you don't follow us already, head over there and give us a follow and get involved with the conversation. In many ways, Barney, this really is us wrapping up the 2020-21 season for the Liga Nosh this year. I mean, we've obviously got some good stuff planned coming up. We've got two exciting interviews that we're hoping to announce very soon coming up. Uh, And also maybe a little bit of downtime. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) But yeah, from now on, we're starting to think about the next season coming up. Yeah, I can't wait for all the transfer gossip. I love transfer gossip so much. It it, it really gets (laughs) me through the summer (laughs) when I'm missing the football. And mate, if, if we do if we if we do a little kits episode that we've talked about as well, I, I would love to I'd love to do that. Well, yeah, look, we've got some plans for the summer. So yeah, we would just like to reiterate what we've said a number of times now because the season really is coming to an end. So thank you so much to everyone for all the support uh, over the course of this season. Uh, we're going to keep doing episodes over the summer. It might not be every week. It might be every other week or something like that. But we're already coming up with plans of of the things that we're going to do over the summer, including some interviews, some transfer news, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, we're going to keep the content up over the summer. And once again, just a massive thank you from myself and Barney. If you've enjoyed the content over the season, we would love it if you could leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts. It's the sort of thing that doesn't take too long, but could give our podcast a huge boost and as a small podcast trying to grow, grow we rely on the support from you know people like yourselves and dedicated listeners so that would be fantastic like i said you can find us on twitter or on email at longballfootball at gmail.com if you want to get in touch but it just leaves me to say thank you very very much for listening and we'll see you very soon Do you think we're going to get hammered on Twitter if we really put Otamendi in our team of the year? Mate, you might get hammered.